0: We are talking about uh, the Christmas story. We're continuing to talk about that. And so, as I was thinking about it this week and preparing for this message, I was reminded of all of the different roles and characters that there are in the Christmas story. So if we were to put on a play reenacting the Christmas story, I mean, we would have a lot of different characters that would need to be filled, right? We have, obviously, um, you know, Zachariah is the father of John the Baptist, so then we would have John the Baptist. We would have Elizabeth, which is John the Baptist's Uh, mother. We would have, of course, Mary, right? Mother of Jesus, Uh, her fiance, Joseph. We'd have the angel Gabriel who announces kind of the miraculous birth of John the Baptist to Zachariah and then Jesus to Mary. Um, Then we have the unnamed angels that announce the birth of the Savior on Christmas night um, to the shepherds. And then there is the shepherds, Um, And so I was thinking about those roles, and it reminded me of a friend of mine that he's, uh, I think he's like in his mid-40s now, but all growing up, they had this tradition at their house that on Christmas Eve, everybody would pull um, a character, a role from the Christmas story out of a hat, and then they had five minutes to get a costume together and get with a group. Now, this is much easier because obviously as he's older, they've got, you know, in-laws and cousins and grandkids and it's a huge get-together and so everybody gets like on little teams they have five minutes to get a costume together get with their team and come up with the best reenactment of the Christmas story that they can and then in a very Christ-honoring way the teams compete against each other for who has the best reenactment of Jesus's birth right Um, and so I remember uh, having a conversation with him one day and saying you know, he he was a little bummed out, because we just got back from, uh we worked together, we just got back from Christmas break, and um, he was kind of telling me about how it went, and he was a little bummed out about the Christmas reactment, I'm like, why are you so bummed out, and he was like, well, because there's good roles, and then there's not so great roles, and I'm like, okay, well, like, what are those, and he's like, well, obviously, you know, like, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, like, you know, John the Bat. Like, these are the roles that people want, of course, right? And he's like, have the bad role. And I'm like, well, what's the worst role? And he was like, well, obviously the donkey's the worst role. <laughs> and he's like, but also, like, shepherds. Because, like, no, I mean, they don't have names. Nobody knows the shepherds' names. They're basically mentioned briefly in this one little section, and then that's it. Like, nobody wants to, everybody's kind of bummed out when they get, like, oh, you're just a shepherd this year. And I, kind of got me thinking about the role of shepherds in the Christmas story. And the reality is, is that if we were to put on a Christmas reenactment, the shepherds would be a very minor role. Um, When you're thinking about, you know, especially a play or something like that, any play that you have thought about, you have, like, main lead parts, and then you have ensemble parts. And shepherds would be considered ensemble parts not really the role that we think of necessarily to make this huge impression we don't know their names we don't know how many of them there were they're mentioned this one time in the gospel of luke and then they're never mentioned again that's it that's their role right the shepherds seem to be very minor characters in the overall story um but the truth is is that the shepherds actually play a pretty major role in the Christmas story. And we see this in Luke chapter 2, which is where we're gonna be today. Specifically, we're gonna be looking at verses 8 through 20. And the reason we're looking at those verses, it wasn't hard for me to come up with because, again, that's the only time the shepherds are highlighted. Um, so I want us, what we're gonna do is we're gonna read that together. And my hope is that you will see that when we get to know a little bit more about the shepherds, when we take a careful look at their response to this birth announcement that they get, we're gonna see that they really are not minor roles. It's a major role. And in fact, they're kind of the perfect characters for us to emulate in our lives here in 2019. To not just look at the Christmas story as a baby in a manger, but how does it continue to affect how we live every single day life here in 2019? Um, and so, like I said, we're going to be in Luke in chapter 2. Um, if you brought your Bibles, great, go ahead and um, you can flip there. Uh, the Bible's broken up into two areas, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Um, it's uh, The New Testament is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke is the third book. Um, And so you could find it pretty easy by flipping there if you don't have a bible today We are going to have the scriptures up on the screen. We also have them on the tables, So please feel free to get one of those and take it home with you today if you would like Um, And then we also have highlighters and pins and uh, message notes in the basket So we want to encourage you to take notes There are going to be some things that i'll say if you're taking notes today write that down Um, And i'm going to encourage you to circle and highlight some things throughout scripture as well Um, So let's go ahead and dive right into Luke chapter 2. We're going to read all of this narrative together one time through, um, and then we're going to kind of see how this applies to us today. So verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds. I want you to circle shepherds because that's our main focus today in the message, our main uh, characters that we're going to be focusing on today. So there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And then I want you to highlight all of verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, highlight the whole rest of this verse, what the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, highlight the rest of this verse, this is what they did, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, so... Here's the very first question I want to answer right off the bat this morning. It's simply this, is why would God choose to announce the Messiah's arrival to shepherds? Why shepherds? Why would God choose to announce the Messiah's arrival to shepherds? Well, I think that there's a few reasons. All right, the first reason I think that he would announce it to shepherds is simply to show God's love is for everyone. God's love is for everyone everyone. Because here's the thing that you need to know about shepherds to understand why this is such a critical part of the story that God chose shepherds to announce his arrival. The thing you need to know is this is that if you lived in Jesus's day and you had to guess what kind of people God would announce his son's birth to, shepherds would not have been on the top of your list. They would not have been even probably in the top 10. Shepherds were not looked upon very highly in society at all. Socially speaking, shepherds were very poor. Um, They were not in any real position of influence um, because of what they did, literally being in fields all the time, caring for sheep, for animals. They were dirty. They were stinky. They were not at all high society. They were, in fact, very, very low on the totem pole. They were very, very, very lowly looked upon. They definitely were not a group of people that you would think, oh, they're going to take this announcement and they're going to just set the world on fire for what God's doing and for Christ. That is not at all how society would have seen shepherds or how they would have been perceived socially. They were a class of people that were kind of so low that most people in society didn't actually trust them. They would not say that they were trusted group shepherds. And then religiously speaking, being a shepherd, shepherding, if you will, is a 24-7 job. So because it is, it kept them away from the temple and from the synagogue. And so they were easily a group that was like blacklisted on all lists of rabbis. Because they weren't engaged in the religious community because of the job that they had. Also, because of kind of the reputation that they had societally, right? In fact, here's a great example of it. There's a third century rabbi. I came across this whenever I was, um, (coughs) excuse me, when I was researching. There's a third century rabbi that wrote, he was actually surprised that God would compare himself with a shepherd in Psalm 23, So if you've ever read Psalm 23, if you haven't, then I would go and suggest that you read it this week. But the entire thing is portraying God as a shepherd. Shepherds were so looked down upon and so low that this rabbi actually says, I am surprised that God compared himself to a shepherd. And so socially speaking, they were down on the totem pole. Religiously speaking, shepherds were very, very low on the totem pole. So isn't it interesting then that the most important glorious birth announcement ever in the history to happen in this world it did not come to religious elite or upper class but to a group of poor lowly looked upon shepherds shouldn't that tell us something about God's plan and his love That God, from the very second that Jesus is born, he wants to immediately communicate, even by communicating through the group of people that he's going to choose the angels to talk to, immediately wants to communicate the message that my love is for everyone. I'm going to pick the lowly of the lows group to communicate the best birth announcement ever to. I'm going to pick the shepherds. and So shepherds, the thing is, is that they weren't just Humble people, like limited to watching over a group of sheep, right? They were literally looked down upon. So this is why God chooses this group to reveal the greatest act, the the start of the greatest rescue mission that will ever happen in all of history. Is to say, it doesn't matter to me that none of you know the name of these shepherds because I know their name. I know their heart, and while the rest of you look and you think that they are useless, that they don't offer much to society outside of being in a field all day with sheep, I see their value, and my love is for everyone, including them, and so that's who's going to announce that my son has arrived. That's going to be the group that's going to see the newborn Savior before anybody else. So the first reason is just to show God's love for everyone. Here's the second reason. The second reason is this, is that it is a prophetic declaration. By uh, by using shepherds, choosing to use shepherds to announce the Messiah's arrival, God is making a prophetic declaration. Right? There's a biblical scholar that lived in the 18th century, and, and he believed that by God choosing shepherds, he was making a divine purpose he was being he had a divine purpose in his announcement and this is what he says he said listen these men these shepherds who watched the sheep ultimately meant for the slaughter that's the purpose of these sheep that these shepherds are watching right so these men who ultimately watch these sheep who are meant for the slaughter receive a divine message about the ultimate lamb of god who also one day would be killed to take away the sin of the world through his death and his resurrection. So not only God is saying my love is for everyone by, by choosing the shepherds, he's also making a very prophetic declaration by saying I'm going to choose the group that literally for a profession watches a group of sheep that are meant for the slaughter, that are meant for sacrifice, because guess what, my son is going to be the ultimate sacrifice, the shepherds that are announcing the birth of the lamb that is going to be sacrificed once and for all so that my people may be reconciled with me and that their sin will be taken away so that I now see them for who they are, who I created them to be. He's making a prophetic declaration. He's saying Jesus is indeed the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world by shedding his blood, and while the shepherds are merely rejoicing at the fact that they saw Christ, here's what God sees. God sees the ultimate end of Christ coming to earth. And we know this because we see this in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 11, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be up on the screen for you. But listen to what it says. It says, by his knowledge, my righteous servant, he's talking about Jesus here. This is way before Jesus is born shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So God is using this group of people, that their profession is literally to watch an animal that's slaughtered and sacrificed for the sins of the world. And he uses them to announce the birth of his son, who is going to be the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. That he will bear our iniquities for us so that we can be reconciled with God. So here's the, last, here's the last reason why God chose shepherds to announce the Messiah's arrival. <coughs> he did it to reveal that Jesus himself is the great shepherd. To reveal that Jesus is the great shepherd. Here's the thing, being a shepherd is not an easy job, okay? And there are still shepherds that exist today um in other parts of the world but being a shepherd is not an easy thing shepherds have to protect their flock from dangerous predators like lions and bears and wolves shepherds have to make sure that sheep are safe that they have enough pasture to graze on that when they do things stupid like leave the rest of the flock guess who's responsible for going out and getting them even correcting and bringing them back to the flock that's the job of a shepherd he has to be willing to leave the rest of the flock this is the role of a shepherd and this is the role that that baby in the manger is going to take and continues to take today in your life and in my life jesus is the great shepherd yes jesus christ he is a baby born of a virgin and at this time of year that's typically where the story stops That's typically all we focus on and talk about, right? And while that's miraculous, I'm not downplaying that at all, but the truth of the matter is, is that's not actually the end of the story. That's not where the story ends. Jesus is also the great shepherd. He is not just a baby in a manger. He is the great shepherd that is very active and still overseeing and caring for us, and this is highlighted all throughout scripture. I'm going to run through some scriptures real fast. They are going to pop up on the screen behind me. Um, but I just want to show you how this theme of Jesus being the great shepherd and shepherds being the thing that Jesus is most compared to runs all throughout scripture. Listen to this, John 10:11. It says this, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Luke fifteen three through seven says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder, uh, shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He's ascribing the role of a shepherd, saying that's what shepherds do, and that's what I'm gonna do. That listen, even if you're not pursuing me, I'm gonna pursue you. I will do anything, I will go to any lengths, including giving my life for the one. And then literally, I said this earlier, we're not gonna put it up on the screen, but literally all of Psalm 23, like the entire thing, That's all it does, is talk about how Jesus is the great shepherd. And then John 10, 27, Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So when we think about God using the shepherds, we need to think about the reasons as to why he would have picked that group, right? Right? He would have done it to show his love for everyone because he was making a prophetic declaration also to reveal that Jesus is the great shepherd. And when you think about all of those reasons, all of a sudden it becomes very clear that shepherds are not quite the minor characters that maybe we made them out to be or we thought that they were. Then maybe they had a bigger role in this story. And if they had a bigger role in this story, then maybe we need to be taking a closer look to how they acted throughout this story. Because to me, I, I honestly think, I feel like we could probably in today and say, hey, that, isn't that cool? Let's think about those three reasons. But to be honest with you, I don't actually even think that's the most interesting part of the story as to why shepherds were used for this announcement. I think the most interesting, the most relevant, and the most impacting thing for me and you in 2019 today, when we're looking at the role of the shepherds in the Christmas story, is how the shepherds responded. How they responded. Look with me again. We're going to read just again verses 15 through 20 in Luke chapter 2. And look at how the shepherds responded and what they did. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Again, listen, like, notice how the shepherds respond to the angels' announcement. I mean, they, they literally turn to each other and they basically say, let's go. Like, let's go and see this for ourselves. But they say, let's go and see this for ourselves and let's go right now. Like, they're not like, well, he's a baby. I mean, you know, really, what is he going to be doing the first couple months, right? Just laying there mostly. Like, we've got time. No, that's not the response. The response is, let's go. God made this announcement through angels to us. Let's go and see this for ourselves. Let's go right now. And you know what? This is consistent with every single thing that God has told us which is interesting because you have society that's saying, here's a group of people that aren't actually all that religious, but funny how they know the prophecy. It reminds me of a verse in 1 Samuel. It's one of my favorite verses throughout the Bible, and it simply says this. Simply says, man looks at the outward appearance, but you know what God looks at? God looks at the heart. We have a group of people that are literally the example of that verse all of society is looking at the outward appearance but god's looking at the heart and he says out of everyone that i can look at to make this announcement for i'm going to make it to them because their heart is most pliable to my purpose and what i'm doing it doesn't matter to me if no one else knows their names i know their names i know their willingness I know how they're going to respond in faith and in trust. They're my group of people. Notice how the shepherds respond to baby Jesus himself, okay? Look at verses 17 17 through um, 18 and then verse 20. It says this, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The words of the angels had been fulfilled by the birth of Jesus. And after the shepherds saw the infant Jesus, they spread the word of the angels to others of what had happened, that a savior had been born, and then they come back and they worship God because everything the angel had said about the birth of the savior had come true down to the last detail. God had kept his word, and that was reason enough for them to praise him. And that's reason enough for us to praise God. You know, God's not a magic genie That we can just go and say, okay, God, for you to be real in my life, I need to see A, B, and C. Because the truth of the matter is, is if God never offered or showed us one, what we would consider physical blessing in our whole life, but we had the option for the gift of eternal life, that is reason enough to praise him and worship him. That's what it means to be kingdom-minded, to see, to have an eternal mindset, is to say we realize the opportunity to be reconciled and spend eternity forever with God, that is praise enough, and that's the shepherds new. That's what this means. This savior being born, this baby that's sitting in a dirty manger, we don't need God to really do anything else in our life. We're gonna praise and we're gonna worship him and we're gonna glorify God because we know what this means. This means now that we get to be reconciled with God. And the thing is, is I think that we can all really relate to the shepherds in one way or another. And just hear me out on this, okay? Because I think every single person in this room can relate to one of the things that I'm about to say, whether it's currently happening in your life or it has happened before. But there's some of us that are sitting in this room and at one point or another we have been in a situation in which we have felt less than. We have walked into a room or a group of people where we didn't feel like we belonged. And nobody really went out of their way to make us feel like we did. We have felt not good enough. Whether that be a project that we've ha- that we were given. Whether that be in parenting in our marriage, in relationships, in our knowledge, in our capacity, whatever it may be, we felt less than. Some of us probably felt less than right smack for the same reasons that the shepherds did, which is the shame that is oftentimes associated with being and living in poverty. If you've ever interacted with people or you have been in this situation or even are currently in this situation with somebody that is really fighting the complexities of poverty. You know more than anything, more than any materialistic item, the thing that is most valuable, the thing that they long for the most is respect and dignity. Because there's so much shame that is associated with poverty. And that's what the shepherds felt every single day on a societal level. And that's one of the reasons why we have said, hey, as Real Hope Community Church, God has chose to plant our church in Rosenberg and Richmond. And if you are not aware of this, Rosenberg and Richmond, both of those cities actually have double the percentage of poverty than the national average. That's why we are focusing on local outreach as one of the four focuses of the Turning Hearts initiative. Because honestly, nothing breaks my heart more than thinking about the tens of thousands of people that live in Fort Bend County that feel as if they have no value to our community or to God simply because of their socioeconomic status. Because that simply is not true. And that's how the shepherds felt. You know, socially speaking, the shepherds were made to feel less than. And many of us have been in that same boat for whatever reason. There's many people in our community that are in that boat right now because of the poverty that they live in. And we have an opportunity as a church to do something about that. But then spiritually speaking, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the shepherds were not considered religious people. And here's the thing, if we're honest with ourselves, I know this is true of me, there's been times in my life, I know there's probably been times in your life, maybe even right now, in which you have not felt all that worthy of God's approval. Maybe you you have found yourself believing the lie that you don't have what it takes to do the thing that God has placed in front of you. Let me just tell you right now, that simply is a lie. If God did not feel like the shepherds had what it took to go and respond to the announcement that he was giving them, he wouldn't have picked them. If God is laying something on your heart, whether it be through his word, whether it be through prayer, whether it be through someone else speaking something into your life that aligns with God's word, if he laid it on your heart, it is simply a lie from Satan that you don't have what it takes to do it because he wouldn't have picked you to do it if you didn't have what it takes. And here's the other thing to it. Sometimes it's okay that we don't have what it takes in our raw talent because we need to depend on him to help us finish it. The shepherds had to depend on God to help them finish out this task because they didn't have the support of the community. They didn't have the support of the religious elites. All they had was a heart that was open and that was pliable to what God was doing. And here's the thing, that's all God needs. And we see that over and over and over again in scripture. He's always picking the most unlikely recipients to make his biggest announcements through. That's the threat of scripture. <laughs> And that's so encouraging for us, because probably many times we have found ourselves thinking, "I'm not sure I can do this, God. This is hard. <laughs> this is taking a lot. I'm not sure you picked the right guy or the right girl for this task." God's saying, "I know what I, I know what I'm doing. Yes, I did. You do have what it takes." You know the shepherds were unlikely recipients and frankly so are we in so many ways but the reality is is that God did pick the shepherds to make this announcement for so that should be something that should suggest something to us that should be hopeful to us that time and time and time and time and time again throughout the Christmas story, God is not picking the religious elite. He's not picking the legalists. He's not picking the ones that seem to have it all together. God is using what society would deem as outcast and highly unlikely to announce the birth of his son and to carry out the best rescue mission through the person of Jesus Christ that we have ever seen and will ever see in history. Again, people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God chose these unlikely shepherds, right, to be the first to hear about the Savior's birth. What does that say to us? And here's kind of the whole, the bow that I'm going to put on the message today. This is what we're going to use to wrap the whole thing up. So if you don't write one thing today, write this down. It's this. This is the main point. It's that the Son of God was not born exclusively for the religious, but Jesus was born for regular ordinary people listen to that the son of god was not born exclusively for the religious jesus was born for regular ordinary people and man isn't that comforting to know he was born for regular ordinary people like me regular ordinary people like you and here's why okay Because God always wants to use you and he wants to use me to point glory back to him. Okay? If he's using the most extraordinary or what we think are the most extraordinary people, how much glory is really getting pointed back to God? God wants to use an ordinary person to do something extraordinary so that everyone else will say, wow, like, I know his story. I know her story. Trust me when I say that was all God. Jesus was born for regular, ordinary people. And that's the remarkable message that, that Jesus' birth indicates for us. That's the remarkable message that the shepherds received that day. It's that the son of Mary whose birth we celebrate was also the son of God who existed before the beginning of time. He was also the child placed in Bethlehem's manger who one day would be placed on a cross where he would pay for our sins. The angel's announcement of peace to the shepherds at his birth, it's a preview to the announcement that an angel's going to make 33 years later when they say, hey, remember the guy that was dead that you put in the tomb? He's risen, he's resurrected. The reason that Christmas is so important is because it points to what's gonna happen on Easter morning. And that's the game changer for me and you. And so how neat that he chooses the shepherds, a highly unlikely recipient group for that message. And then how neat that the shepherds illustrate to us their response of trust and of faith. Because what do they do? They immediately take that message and they go and spread it to everybody that they know. It says the people were amazed at the things that the shepherds said, and then they come back and they worship God because of who he is. Listen, here's the deal. There are times in life where it is totally okay to stop and to take some time to wrestle with some big questions of faith. Listen, to be a Christian, it does not mean that you simply just blindly follow whatever, You should wrestle with big questions of your faith. That's okay. That's literally one of our family values here at Real Hope is that we want to provide a space that's safe for people to wrestle with big questions of faith. There is time and there is space for that. But you need to hear me say this too, and this is what the shepherds are illustrating for us in their response. There is also a time where God says something and you just react. You just do it. You trust and you're faithful And you move forward. And here's the thing. Those big kind of moments, do you know what they're made up of? They're made up of much smaller incremental moments where we're having faith and we're trusting God. I, in my life, just speaking from experience, I can only tell you my story. I have not had very many giant like Moses and burning bush type moments with God. But I have had a lot of little tiny moments where God is leading me when you respond with faith and trust in those moments as the shepherds did then guess what god knows also that he can respond in faith and trust to you with the big moments and the big things it's so important to remember that while man looks at the outward appearance god looks at the heart that Jesus' birth is an indication to us that God's love is for everybody, that it's not just exclusively for the religious, but that Jesus was born for the regular ordinary people. That's why he uses a group like the shepherds to announce the greatest birth that will ever happen in our history. You know, Christmas, it's, it's full of joys and it's full of celebration, but I think sometimes we can really get caught up in kind of the repetition and the commercialization of the whole thing, right? But here's the truth of the matter. It's that the baby that Mary held in her arms, he indeed was the very son of God that chose to give up his divinity to become flesh and blood human being in order to be a substitution for us. And that's the message that the shepherds were responding to. And so if you're sitting here today and you're wondering to yourself, I don't really know what the first message that I should respond to. Like, I hear what you're saying, but what's the first message that I respond to? It's simply that. It's that it wasn't just a baby. It was God himself taking on all of the boundaries, all of the... um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. All of the boundaries, all of the confinement of flesh and skin and bone and saying I'm doing it so that you guys can be reconciled and have a love and a relationship with God. That's what Christmas is. And so if you wanna respond like the shepherds did, that's the first thing that you respond to. And for you, that might be a very first time. That might be the first time that you've ever realized that God did that for you. And if that's true, in just a minute, I'm going to pray, and I would love for you to join me in a prayer by just saying, God, you know what, today, officially today, I'm placing my tr- trust in you as my Lord and Savior and what that means. But For some of you, maybe you've already done that. You have said at one point in your life, I place my trust in Lord and Savior, but you realize that there's some areas of your life that maybe you've held back from him you said, I place my trust and I'm responding like the shepherds in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area. Ooh, but not that one, God. That one I'm going to control. So I would challenge you to respond in that area like the shepherds did. Here is the thing that Christmas night that can never be erased. It's this, it's Luke 2.11, where it just says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord And that is what the shepherds are responding to. And that is what we respond to as well. So what I want to do is I just want to wrap up today by by closing in prayer. (coughs) Excuse me. And just praying that the Lord would do just that. Not just in this Christmas season. Ryan said this a couple weeks ago that the Christmas story should never just be talked about and thought about in December. It changes our whole life every single day. But I want to pray that we have the boldness to respond like the shepherds did in this season, but beyond this season as well. And that the Holy Spirit would remind us when we begin to believe lies that we don't have what it takes. Or that what we've done in the past is too much and that God could never use us. That the Holy Spirit would remind us that he always uses the unlikely recipients. and He can use us too.